Hi, I'm Andy Chamberlain, and this is the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical advice and encouragement to help you with your writing. You can find out more at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you can also find out about the Creative Writers Toolbelt handbook, which condenses all of the very best advice and insight from my expert guests and me in one place. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast, and it's helpful to you on your writing journey. And welcome to episode 141 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. I'm releasing this episode on the 1st of August, the publication date of my book, The Centauri Survivors. And the guest for this episode is me. And in this episode, we are going to look at some fairly searching questions like, why did it take me so long to write this book? And I can tell you now that it took me 10 years to write it. So that's a good question. What were the biggest mistakes I made along the way? And what were the most important lessons I learned? And none of this is being asked merely to embarrass me. It's more to give you all a perspective on what can go right and wrong with a book project over its whole course. So in this episode, as well as the questions I've mentioned, we'll be looking at things like what are the difficult decisions a writer has to make when editing a book, how to avoid the saggy middle in your work, and why as a writer you should expect to feel nervous as publication date approaches, however experienced you are as an author. And the person asking the questions for a change in this episode is my friend Wendy H. Jones. Wendy is an award-winning author and prolific writer. She served in the British Royal Navy and in the British Army where she was an officer for 17 years. She currently lives in Dundee in Scotland and her police procedural series featuring Detective Inspector Shona McKenzie is set in that city. She has also written the Fergus and Flora Mysteries for Young Adults, the Cass Claymore Investigate series and Bertie the Buffalo for Young Children. Her books for authors include Power Packed Book Marketing and Motivation Matters published in May of 2019. Now, before I come to that conversation, looking ahead, there are a couple of other things I want to mention to you. First of all, I am going to be at Worldcon in Dublin this month, August 2019. Worldcon is the World Science Fiction Convention, and I'll be there between the 15th and 18th of August, and I'll be speaking on the self-publishing panel on Friday the 16th of August. So if you're coming to Worldcon, please do come along to that panel. Please come and find me, say hello. I'd be delighted to meet anyone who's a listener to the podcast while I'm there in Dublin. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I'm delighted to have had a conversation recently with Orna Ross. Now, some of you will know Orna as the founder and director of the Alliance of Independent Authors, or Ally, but she's also a poet and author in her own right and I'm going to be releasing my conversation with her in two episodes, one focusing on her role with Ally and the other looking at her work as a poet and discussing the amazing opportunities that are out there now for people to share their poetry. These were great conversations and I'm looking forward to sharing them with you. For now, here is my conversation with Wendy answering her questions and reflecting on the fact that at last I have been able to publish a book that has taken me 10 years to get to this point. Hey Andy, I'm so excited that I've got a chance to be able to interrogate you for a change. Oh, I mean interview you, sorry. Now <laughs> well, how are you feeling yeah. in that mastermind chair? Are you all right? Are you I am fine, just yeah, don't be too hard on me, Wendy. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm like, that, I do. give me a challenge. And I you know do. what I'm about? I'm going to start with a nice easy one for you, Andy, I have mm. to say. Uh, okay. Because, uh, you know, I'm sure all the, the listeners are thinking, oh, Andy's got this new book out. What is it about? So what is the cent? I have to ask. Actually, my first question is, how do you pronounce it? The centauri. Centauri. 
Or Centauri. There's, there's probably not a right answer. I call it Centauri, as in Alpha yeah. Centauri. Let's, well, we'll go with that, as that's what you okay. call it. Centaur, what is the Centauri si- Survivors about? It's a first contact story, which means that it's a story which involves contact between uh, humans and aliens. And uh, it tells the story of what happens when a habitable planet is discovered. And it's discovered just four light years away in the Alpha Centauri system. And the story then goes on to explore how desperate some people might be to make that planet their own. And what might happen if we find that because it's habitable, it already has some inhabitants of its own. Ooh. So that's that's a, that's the kind of context for it. Oh, well, I'm glad we, we set this scene there, really, because obviously people want to know what it's about before we start asking you questions about it. And I'm, I'm very fortunate. I got to read it in advance, so uh, and it was brilliant, I have to say. And seriously, I could never have come up with a story of a tried. So what inspired the story? There's a number of things. One is uh, just the word exoplanet. And it's a exoplanet. word, uh, for people that don't know, the word exoplanet means a planet which exists outside of our solar system. So we're not talking about Mars or Jupiter or any of those planets. It's, it's a planet outside that. And, and exploring exoplanets is an area of astronomy that has absolutely exploded, grown massively in the yeah. last 20, 25 years. And just recently, the 4,000th exoplanet has been discovered Wow. Uh, so there's now a massive catalogue of all these planets and some are big and some are small and some are very hot and some are very cold. So that, to me, felt like a really fertile territory for, for a setting. And I also wanted to write a story which had a sense of adventure and captured something of the wonder that I feel when I look out at the stars. This is why I yeah. write space opera and science fiction and stuff like that in part, because I look at the stars and I think, wow, you know, what the potential that's out there. Who knows what's there? And uh, as a storyteller, that then just kind of gets me a bit excited. It's great, I have to say. You know, I've recently launched the, the Summer Reading Challenge for Dundee Libraries, and it was all about space. And I didn't know what an exoplanet was, or that they'd discovered 4,000. I feel <laughs> like I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> you know now. Right, we're going to ramp up the tension a bit now, Andy. Okay. Are you ready for it? Yeah, go on. Good, good. So, what's the biggest mistake you made while you were writing it? <laughs> I know totally what the answer to this is. So when I'd got about 20,000 words in, I stopped and I had those 20,000 words edited. I looked at them and then I got somebody else to look at them. What, 20,000 words in? Yeah, 20,000 words in and I got somebody to edit that. And, And that, I think, with hindsight, was a mistake. It wasn't the fault of the person who looked at it at all. But what I should have done, I realize, is I should have just pushed through with that first draft and got it finished. And yeah, um, I would now say I most authors probably would say this. I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this, actually, Wendy. When you yeah. start, get through that first draft and you get it done. You don't faff about and stop. Because no. then it's, I mean, it took me ages to get started again on it. Yeah, if you stop, you don't tend to get back to it, do you? It's, no. You get to the saggy middle and you should just plow on through that saggy middle, really. Yes, yeah. I mean, and, and I, it was, a, it was a big mistake stopping. It probably set me back several months, possibly even a year, I'd say, because I didn't know what to do with this 20,000 words. I didn't know how to go forward. And it was I like, I'm not doing that again, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it's, it's a shame, really, because it's a brilliant book. But who knows, it might be an even better book for that having happened. We don't know. <laughs> 
carrying on from that, mm. I'm, I'm wondering, what was the toughest decision you had to make when editing the book? Well, actually, of that 20,000 words, 15,000 of them came out. I cut them from the start of the story and I boiled them down to two small chapters which appeared later on and I fell in love like writers do I fell in love with those first 15,000 words especially the first chapter I the first which is not in there at all now the first chapter I wrote and I spent hours on it and I loved it and it was one of my darlings and oh my goodness yeah you know, and I thought I've got to take this out and I was in denial about taking it out Oh, and heavens. people said to me, it's got to go. It's got to go. And then I gave it to to my development editor and she said, it probably has to go. I thought, she's right, it's got to go. Anyway, a whole bunch of it went. You didn't just kill your darlings, you slaughtered them. It was. It was a little bit of a massacre. It was, uh, you'd have almost been proud of me with some of your police procedural, Wendy. It was first four chapters or something. They just, it just all went. It was, it was terrible. Heavens, it was more like the slaughter of the firstborn. This, I tell you. <laughs> My goodness, I've, I've taken chunks out of my book whenever fifteen thousand words. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't pretty. I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, my very first book, I had to take a chunk out the first chapter, and I loved it. And but somebody, some a very famous author, looked at it for me, and she went, "That's beautiful writing, but you need to get rid of it." <laughs> well, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. As authors, a lot of us have been there. It's almost a kind of rites of passage thing. You have to. You have to have somebody come along and you know they're right and they say that chunk there and you've spent hours on it, it's got to go. Yeah, but in my case, if somebody says that to you, you can go, oh, yes, that's fine, and then kill them in your next book. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and I remember somebody telling me, you don't, you never actually lose those bits because even if you don't use them, you can file them away, use them another time. Um, yeah. And certainly the, the first chapter of my book, which I have taken out completely, I may use for something else or I may... I may do a, like a kind of director's cut version of the book and stick it in there or whatever. I don't know. I won't. I, it's not gone completely. You can use it another time. It yeah. will fit in there somewhere. And you, you know, you never know what series or book it will fit into in the future. That's true. That's true. I, 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 it's not wasted. I've got it and I'll use it another time. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, one of the other tough decisions we've got these days as well, I have to say, is mm. there's an expectation that will include a, a diverse range of characters. How did you tackle that issue? Well, you're right. There is an expectation. And I think it's a right expectation that in most books, in most fiction, there should be a variety of different characters. And I, I wanted that in this book, but I didn't want to just kind of pay lip service to that concept of, oh, I've just, you know, I've got to have a, this diverse range of, of characters. So I... The way I dealt with it was I tried to think carefully about making all of those different characters as authentic as possible. Yeah. So they they have a context, they have a background, they have a culture, they have a history. Um, yeah. And, and I did actually use two different people as sensitivity readers. So people from particular ethnic backgrounds that would be able to kind of give me their insight and their perspective on those characters. And I did change the characters a little bit based on what they said so yeah. I did want to I did want to do that but I wanted to do it and it, this is a difficult area for, for authors uh, and writers but I wanted to try yeah. and make it as authentic as possible yeah it can be difficult I have to say I mean in my books Dundee has a a big Indian population a big Chinese population mm. so I included an Indian character and I included a Chinese character yeah. but they're both Scottish because they're like third generation. Yeah, I know they're authentic because I just based them on people I knew. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's got to be the best way to do it. I think is to is to, I think if you can base characters not completely but in in large part on 
yeah. real people, then yeah. I think it, it just helps to, to bring that authenticity out. Yeah, and it was people I knew well, so that helps as well, doesn't mm. it, really? In terms of, obviously, we've already talked about the first draft. Yes. And first drafts can be difficult, especially that sad <laughs> middle, as we said. <laughs> Have you got any advice for anyone who's struggling with their first draft? Yes. Well, I think that there's a number of things to say. And in fact, I have, anybody listening to this, I have done a, one of the episodes of my podcast focuses uh-huh. on what to do about that saggy middle that, yeah. that you've, you've just mentioned there. And yeah. for people who don't know what that is, is where you're writing your, your, your book and you get to about 30,000, 40,000 words in. And this happens so often with so many people, even people who are really quite advanced in the craft. And it, they just kind of lose their mojo a bit. They lose, they can, they can lose their motivation. The thing isn't nearly anywhere finished, but they, they're not. I haven't got the kind of initial flush of enthusiasm, so it's hard to do it. But really, there's no substitute for focusing on it, believing, continuing to believe in the story that you knew was a good story when you first yeah. thought of it, and to push through. Um, and that, that for a lot of people, that can mean making sure you do a little bit of work every, work on it every day. Uh, yeah keeping up the momentum however that works for you and I setting little targets I'm going to do 100 words a day 500 whatever it is and just keep at it day after day and eventually you know it'll, it'll get there but you know I think the message to to writers especially newer writers is don't be surprised when this happens to you because it happens to all of us yeah absolutely I mean to be honest everybody every single person I know gets stuck in the middle mm. and but they do either what they do but you you say and they just plow on and they write every single day for example lee childs writes 365 days a year uh, every single day of the year he writes yeah, yeah? Wow. so i bet you he doesn't have any saggy middles <laughs> no. well i expect he loses his way sometimes slightly i'm sure he does uh, but he's just got the you know the experience and discipline to just keep at it and get it done absolutely yeah but i don't know if you've ever tried this that you can um, there is some people say that it's worth just writing another bit of the book and then going back to that because writing another bit of it sometimes gives you the idea for what it was you were struggling with. Yeah, you yeah. ever tried that? Once or twice I've tried that and uh, it it kind of works for me. But I've also, I mean, what I've also found that if if the bit that I'm working on really doesn't work for me, it really doesn't inspire me. It's, yeah, I I know from experience I'm probably going to take that bit out, or I may take that bit out because if it's not exciting, if I'm not in a sense, if I'm not looking forward to and enjoying writing it, then it's yeah. less likely that the reader is going to look forward to and enjoy reading it. Yeah, uh, that's so that, true. That can be that's a that's a bit of a challenge. But yeah, I, I I have done that a little bit, particularly writing the end the end sometimes and trying to get the end right. I've done a bit around that. Yeah, you, I just want to move on a bit. You've mm. um spoken already about developmental editors and things yes um what professional help did you buy in to assist with the book so uh, a cover designer a development editor and a proofreader so somebody to, to to get that the cover right for me a development editor so someone who's working not so much on the on dotting the i's and crossing the t's but on the the structure of the story and making suggestions more strategic suggestions i suppose about shuffling things around and character arcs and those those bigger themes that's the development editor and then a proofreader as well there's a there's somebody i use as my proofreader and every time it happened this time i got my book to the point where i thought this is pretty good now i've ironed out most of the problems and she just finds a whole bunch more stuff there's these little typos and uh, some continuity stuff and little bits of punctuation so those are those are the three 
areas that I, I put my hand in my pocket for. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us are the same, actually, in uh, in terms of who we bring in. Mm. I know there are sometimes people use several rounds of editing, not just proofreading and a developmental editor. They do a line editor and, you know, but, hey, it works because your book is very, very good. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> and, again, your editor was obviously helping you uh, make sure, the developmental editor was making sure that the book flowed. And, yes. and a lot of that is to do with planning. But how much did you plan the story and how much came to you as you wrote it? Well, you know, somewhat embarrassingly, I have to confess, it's taken me nearly 10 years to write this thing. So I can't remember what I was doing some <laughs> years ago with it. Yeah. But the, the, the bare bones of it, I planned. So really the major points in it were planning. The mine, Some of the minor details came when I was writing them. So this, there were certainly some ideas that came to me while I was writing. I thought, oh, I'm just going to put that in. And these are little tactical things rather than yeah. rather than big milestones or, or uh, yeah. waypoints with a character or the or the plot itself. So I'd say probably what I do is I I plan out the the major points and then fill it in when I'm writing it. And sometimes ideas will come. I mean, you, this might happen to you. And little ideas come to me as I'm writing. And I think, yeah, I quite yeah. like that. I'm going to put it in. or I'm, And I think about whether it's worth putting it in. Because sometimes you put something in and it's going to affect another bit in the story. And yeah. you, have to, you have to kind of bear all that in mind. But it, usually, I think, if it's, a, if it's a good idea, I think, yeah, I quite like that. I'm going to put that in. Yeah. It's, I'm curious because the mm. protagonists in the book are teenagers. Yes. Does it make a YA book? I'm kind of resisting a bit the temptation to call it a YA book. And you're right, they are. The, the the protagonists in it are all aged between like 13 and 17. But they're only that age because the characters came to me like that. And you'll probably know what I mean by this. That I couldn't have written it with them younger. I couldn't have written with it with them older. Yeah. They, they turned up, the characters, in the story. And for the story to be authentic, they had to be that age. So in that sense, it could be be seen as a young adult book i didn't intend it to be like that i haven't i haven't written it for a young adult market although it yeah. certainly can be read by young adults there's there isn't anything i mean you might have an opinion on this there's nothing in it which is not suitable for young adults to read i don't think. absolutely yeah um yeah so it's it, it, it is it's a book with young adults as protagonists but i wouldn't say it's specifically a YA book. No, I wouldn't either, to be honest. I didn't read it as a YA book, even though the, the protagonists were fairly young. So mm. I think you've managed to, you know, get the right balance, which is good. I've got to pick up on the fact that you said it was 10 years in preparation, this yeah. book. Yeah. I mean, seriously, how does it feel to have the book come out after all this time? Are you nervous about it? Um, A little bit. Uh, yeah, I have to confess. I don't know whether nervous is the, quite the right word. A, a bit edgy a bit or not edgy a bit agitated i am feeling more wary about it than i thought i would perhaps because it's because every perhaps everybody feels this i mean you again you might have an opinion on this wendy uh the different books you've read maybe that feeling never goes away when you've got a book about to come out you 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 might feel a little bit on edge but certainly i'm thinking i was i was talking to somebody recently a friend of mine and i said there's nowhere now to hide with this book i can't hide behind the fact that the editing hasn't finished or I'm waiting for the cover or or I need to still format it or whatever it is. All of the jobs have gone, they've disappeared yeah. and the thing is going to be out there and that's going to be it. And and that is that is making me a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. I mean, I 
I've been to events, I have to say, everybody feels nervous. I've been to events with big authors and they've said that they think that the next book is going to be the one that crashes their career. Every <laughs> time they bring a book out. And they're selling millions. Yeah, yeah. Every single writer, no matter where they are, feels like an imposter. We've all got imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know it, it does affect people, even people, who, as you say, who are incredibly successful as writers. Yeah. And it affects all of them. And certainly it, it is affecting me a little bit. And it's not, I don't feel so much like I'm an imposter, but I just feel some vague sense of unease i suppose uh, that actually yeah this is this is there's nowhere left to hide i suppose is a good way to put it yeah it's true to be honest but you always feel nervous you think oh nobody's going to buy this one and then you're frightfully surprised and very delighted when it does <laughs> well is that sell. your experience wendy I, I don't know how many books you've you've published now but a lot more than i have i mean do you get oh, nervous yeah. every time every single out? time 14 is the answer <laughs> Okay, so every time I, I, it doesn't surprise me, and I'm you know I know when when I write next the next one when that comes out I'm probably going to feel the same way. We all do, we all do. I'm curious as to why it took you so long to write it. That sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? Why uh, did it take? No, 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 you can ask what you like. You? <laughs> <laughs> what took you so long is probably where you're going with that question. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Well, it's a good question, isn't it? And there are lots of answers to that question. One is something I touched on earlier, which is I made a mistake of getting the first 20,000 words edited and went round in circles for a year or something yeah. uh, and didn't get it done. I've had other projects which have kind of distracted me. So for about three years, I worked on a, a as a ghostwriter on a memoir for somebody. Uh, I've written a book. People will know I've written a book based on the, the podcast. Um. And I've written some short stories and just stuff has intervened. Stuff has happened in life and, and I just have kind of put it down and not come back to it. But I've always kept coming back to it and it's just got to the point now where eventually I've done all the jobs, I've done all the writing, I've done all the editing, I've done everything that I can do with it. And so now here it is. Yeah. Wow. Hey, we're all looking forward to it, I have to say. And... <laughs> um, now, I'm being nosy now, and you know what I'm like. Yeah, no, please be It might nosy. help other people. What, what have you done to market and promote your book? So uh, I'm, I'm marketing it through the podcast. Uh, people who are subscribing to the podcast and listening to it regularly will know that I have been referring to this book a little bit in the last few episodes, and, I'm, and I've got a number of episodes which are going to come out over the next couple of months, all of which will either mention it or actually like this one is it's it's pretty much a focus for the for the conversation yeah so i'm yeah. using my podcast um i'm talking about it on my facebook account i'm talking about it a little bit on instagram and on twitter because those are the social media platforms of choice that i enjoy using i'll put it up, i'm going to put it on my website i'm also going to use readsy.com so some some people may have heard of readsy yeah i yeah. Uh, interviewed uh, ricardo faye who is one of the founders of readsy recently yeah. And they do a scheme where if you have used one of their professionals uh, for a service, they will then talk about your book in a, a regular weekly email. So I've used that. Brilliant. Um, I didn't know that. No, you go. There's another one for you there, Wendy, if you if you ever use Readsy. I do, um, yes. Mm. I've used, I'm mentioning it on Goodreads and, and word of mouth to a certain extent as well. So I, I I was at a social event at the weekend and I mentioned it to people because I think I think as well, and again, you might have found this, just talking about your work with yeah. people that you meet, if it feels appropriate, is a great way to market it. Absolutely. It really is. 
you know, and and, and radio shows. <laughs> and radio shows, yes, yeah. I mean, what any, I mean, I suppose, I suppose the lesson for the, and and the kind of insight for 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 writers from this is, you yeah, do do your planning, but also if opportunities come up, don't don't neglect them. Take take the opportunities that 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 come your way to talk about your book. Absolutely, yeah. You t- you just grasp every opportunity and Absolutely. say yes. Yeah. And worry about the aesthetics later. <laughs> So what channels are you going to use to release it and in what formats is it going to be available? So it will be available as paperback and ebook. It will be available on Amazon in both of those formats and it will also be available in in bookshops. So if you go into a bookshop if it's not there you can order it. It will be you'll be able to do that all the major ebook platforms yeah. uh, if, if if you if you're a reader of ebooks you will be able to get it on what whatever whatever way you get them yeah and, and sorry did you say paperback as well i just yes about yeah paperback and yeah, you, I and you did, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going mad <laughs> <laughs> oh it's terrible so what are the two or three key lessons you'd take from this and share with other people so some of this would be stuff that we've mentioned like it writing that first draft don't stop don't stop writing your first draft and and get distracted. Power through it. Doesn't matter if you don't think it's very good. Get the thing done. That's probably that's that would be the main lesson from this experience for me. Yeah. Connected with that, think about it as a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> writing a book is not a feverish activity for like two days. It's something that you have to just have, you know, application and patience and discipline yeah. for, which sounds a bit gritty and hard, but it. To a certain extent, it's true. And if you really have got a passion to write, then you'll you will find those things. So it is it's it's for the long haul writing a book and use use the opportunities that you can use the help that you can afford to get uh, and be be patient about improving it. So there were moments when uh, like when I took out all of those words at the beginning of it, I knew how I could improve it. But the but the prospect of trying to do all that extra work and cut bits out and revise things, there were times when I thought, I oh, can't. Can I really be doing with this? But that's but but absolutely, you have to be doing with it because that is the way to improve your book. That's the way to improve yeah. your work. So, so I think it's 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 that mixture of determination and some patience and just being prepared to keep coming back to it to do the work to make it as good as you can possibly get it brilliant advice i have to say oh i don't think i've got any more questions for you at the moment is there okay. anything else you would like to add andrew um i don't think so uh, if people like the sound of it please buy it <laughs> well i think everybody should buy it i loved it and that's real praise coming from me because i don't actually read that type of book no no really no you're not you're it. not a sci-fi person are you but i want to ask you a question Wendy, so you you said science fiction isn't isn't necessarily your genre of choice, but now I know yeah. you write you write in a variety of different genres. So can you tell me us a little bit about uh, your work? You you talked about fourteen books earlier. What what do you write? What do you enjoy well, reading as well? I I love I'm re, I'm an eclectic reader, so I read I read a lot of different things. Mm. Um, I'm trying to push the boat out at the moment, so I'm reading a literary book that I, is going to turn into four books because there's four before you have to read all four to get the whole story <laughs> so it's uh, that that's um shadows of the wind by carlos ruas zafron um okay. and then it's the library of the the library of forgotten books series so i'm reading that at the moment but i mainly read crime books which is what i write mm. um i've got the di shona mckenzie mysteries which are police procedurals 
gritty type crime. I uh, have got the Cass Claymore Investigates series, which is humorous crime. It's just a laugh a minute. It's, you know, <laughs> the crime and the mystery takes second place to the naughtiness of it, which is the idea. Um, I write young adult mysteries and children's picture books, so I can literally cover you from the cradle to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I had anything else to say about it, really. So thank you for agreeing to come and ask me some questions and, you know, giving me a bit of a grilling. It's been, no, it's been good to chat No, thank you for asking me. I've had a great time. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Wendy, for your thank time you, for talking to me. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or me, just go to my website. It's andrewjchamberlain.com.